RadioInfluence.com. Hey guys, welcome back to Live Bold and Boss Up. We had an amazing conversation with Ari Nissim, who is current agent, previously worked at NFL League Office and the New York Jets and Rock Nation and among other things. He has great, great experience, great hustle, and we really dove in and had some great conversations around how important networking is dreams, how they change, merging your reality with your passion, having persistence and getting down to that why. A lot of great, great pointers in here, guys. It's a long conversation, but a really good one. We'll definitely have Ari back on the show. There's so much to uncover and unpack here, but guys, enjoy the conversation. And, um, you know, Ari is a current professor as well. So if you have any questions for him, any more questions, you can always, you know, email us, but um, let's get to it. So for me, it kind of started in high school. Um, I I realized in high school, I I didn't really, uh, wasn't going to be good enough to play uh, football at an NFL level. So I was like, you know, what else can I do that I really like? Um, and it was when the salary cap in the NFL was starting. And, you know, so that dates me a little bit. But uh, I, I was like, OK, well, that sounds cool. And so I, I went to Wisconsin for undergrad and, you know, had a great time at Wisconsin, did absolutely nothing to help my career uh, <laughs> get to the NFL level. You're not uh, supposed to at undergrad, right? Yeah. I, I mean, like. I went to the bar a lot and that, that was, you know, I, I thought really, you know, educated me in a number of ways. <laughs> you were building relationships, right? Exactly. That's what you were doing. That, that's exactly right. You know, it's, it, it's all about relationship building in this business and pretty much the world and life. Um, so after I in Wisconsin, I always kind of thought I was going to go to law school and I kind of did that for two reasons. I was like, okay, like I want to get into the NFL and I want to work with the salary cap and, you know, all that stuff. And so I figured being a lawyer could help me on that path. Um, But if that doesn't work out, like, you know, I'm going to hedge my bet. And at worst case scenario, I'm a lawyer. So it's like, let me do that. Right. Um, So I started researching law schools and I I looked at a bunch of law schools. And let's be clear here. I mean, if I could have gotten into Harvard, I would have gone to Harvard. Like I didn't get in there. Um, But Tulane was the best law school program with a sports law school program there was at the time. And so they actually did something that was really interesting. They sent a CD of like, you know, notable alumni. And one of the uh, notable alumni at the time was the assistant GM of the Jets, uh, a guy named Mike Tannenbaum. (laughs) And I was like, okay, so if I go here, maybe like I'll meet him and other people, like maybe they'll come back to speak. Who knows? Like it'll help me on my path. So end up going to Tulane. Uh, my first year there, uh, I, he, two, Mike actually comes back and speaks. And after I make a complete fool of myself afterwards, um, because his, his now wife, Michelle, and him just got married. And I like get in front of her and I'm like, I'm sorry, do you have a question? And it's like, oh, no, I'm his wife. And I'm like, Oops. Um, but like, <laughs> and now we're actually all really good friends. Um, spoke to Mike and fast forward a year, I get a call after my second uh, 2L year and, you know, uh, it's a person named Donna Ponte who's actually at the NFL league office now and was working at the jets. And it was like, Hey, we want to bring you in for an internship. I was like, great. I was like, um, all right. So you're going to be there here for one week. I was like, 
okay, I, I got a one week internship. <laughs> Only one week. All right, take it. Sold. So I, I was like, listen, like you, you take whatever you can uh, you can get. So I turned the uh, you know one week internship into a two week internship into a four into a six week internship, and, and like my passion just really you know was evident. Um, because I really, truly love this stuff. And I would get there at, you know, 7 a.m. in the morning um, and I'd stay until midnight. And they were like, you know, you don't have to be here that long. And I was like, I get that. But like, and, and I literally had this conversation with Dawn and I was like, I understand that, but you don't realize like you get to work with us every day. Like in a week, I may never work with this stuff again. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things I noticed was like my passion compared to other interns and the other interns were really just punching a clock. And, you know, they'd get there at eight and they'd leave at five. And, and so there was a difference. Um, one of the things I did to prepare myself for the internship was I tried to learn about the salary cap. And one of the things I always tell about uh, to kids when I speak to schools and things like that is, you know, it's great to want to work in sports. And that's wonderful. But if you're trying to get a job in sports, try and narrow it down a little bit into what you want to do because frankly sports is just another way to get into a bunch of different businesses i mean at the end of the day we're all talking about really mostly business acumen and whether it's you know sponsorships or marketing or this or that now for me uh one the thing i really wanted to work in was specific at the time to football it was the salary cap now it's in hockey and basketball um but really I tried to learn as much as I could about the salary cap and that I felt helped me when I got my internship because, you know, did I know everything? No, no one's going to know everything, but I knew a little bit more than just a random person that's like, Hey, I just want to work in sports. And so I always try and tell people like, try and get a, an idea of like the area. It doesn't mean you can't try different areas, but don't go in into, in, into an interview and say, Hey, I just love sports. This is my favorite team. Like that's the wrong way to go about it. And like, People hear it all the time. Mm-hmm. So long story short, my internship ends. Um, I end up writing an article and, in a law journal that gets published about the salary cap. And I really did that strictly so that I could speak to people in the industry and have something to converse about. Whether they agreed with it or not was irrelevant. Like it was a talking point. And, and so you have that. And so when you pick up the phone and start cold calling people, because that's what it was like, I literally was just calling people, getting numbers, looking at bios and calling them up. You, you want to have something more than, hey, I want an internship. Like, what value can you add? Like, what's the value add? Because at, at the end of the day, and, and interns don't want to hear this, but it's the truth is most interns, for the most part, they're in, they're, they're, their value is marginal. It, it really is like people are going to spend more time on them than the interns are actually going to do productive work for the most part, you know, because you have to double check it. You have to make sure it's not wrong if it is correct. I mean, there are a bunch of things. Right. And that's with the best intern work. Um, So what value add can you have and like, what can you give? And I always looked at it as that way. And I started, you know, looking at hiring cycles. So when I was in law school, I mean, I still have my rejection letters to this day. But like, get used to getting rejected. I mean, I I literally, it's like, it's, it's dating. It's the dating game. Like just, you know, keep asking. And it's just sending out resumes and sending out and finding when the hiring cycles are. And so in the NFL, I found out it was in January and it was in 
you know, June, those were the two hiring cycles, the front office mostly in June, you know, but like, and I would send out resumes, you know, in January and June and all those things. And that's kind of like how I went through law school. And so my whole goal finishing up law school was to get an internship at the NFL league office. And it was at, it was at the labor operations department, which, you know, oversees the salary cap for the 32 teams. And, you know, they really at the time and still now were very good at pushing people uh, that were there, their interns into jobs or roles if they did well at clubs. And so got a little help along the way, because at the end of the day, I, I view it like this. I don't believe in luck so much. I believe if you work really hard, you will continually put yourself in opportunities to become lucky, right? But at some point, you need a little bit of luck. Like everyone does. Like you need some, someone to say, okay, yes, we're going to take a chance. You know, but you you can control putting yourself in those opportunities as many times as you can. Right. So I, I got the, uh, the in, I got the internship interview for the NFL labor department. I actually mentioned this to you, but you know, I'm in the interview and they're talking to me and they're like, well, we think you're overqualified. Yeah. And I'm like, I literally say this in an interview and I'm like, look, don't tell me I'm overqualified for a job. You would never have given me the interview for if I wasn't overqualified. I was like, this is what I want to do. I don't care about the money. I was like, this is what I need to do to get to where I want to go. And so I was able to turn it around from you're overqualified and basically just dink to she's like, you know what? I agree. You're going to get the internship. And, and I got the internship in the, in the interview. Uh, two weeks later, I get a rejection notice from them. And I'm like, I call her up and I'm like, what just happened? You told me I got the interview, the, the internship. Right. Like, listen, you got the job, but just bear with us because there, there's like nonsense going on. And, and this is this happens in industries all the time. So literally, I got the job in February. Then I get rejected. And then I don't get approved for the job again until like August 1st. <laughs> oh, wow. And I started like August 15th. So, but like I was persistent. I just kept calling. I was like, because the person that hired me was the hiring person. It wasn't, you know, again, that wasn't the HR person. That was the person that actually decided it, you know, and and the the letter I got was from HR. And again, like I've got real issues with HR in general, because a lot of times with, I mean, industries, they're more a defensive mechanism than they are people that are actually really qualified to hire people for skilled jobs. You know, it's great for a a, a secretary or, you know, an assistant. It's not great for a job that has specific requirements that frankly, the person that really needs to be picking them and interviewing them is the person that's going to be hiring them or the person that's really going to be overseeing them because they really truly understand their job responsibilities. Mm -hmm. The issue I have with HR in general in, in this is a lot of times those people that really should be making a hiring, the official hire, don't get a lot of the interesting candidates. They get the cookie cutter, check the box candidates that get through the computer generated. Okay. They fit the criteria. Yeah. I started and- laughing when you brought up HR, Ari, because I remember our conversation very well. <laughs> 
<laughs> and, and so, I, I mean, like, listen, I, I think there's a function for it, but at the end of the day, that's why I, I really believe in a lot of industries, you have a lack of real qualified leaders because they're, they're trying to fit everyone through this hiring. And like, you have to look for the qualifications that really are, are different. Mm-hmm. And there's no one way to, to do something. There are a lot of different ways things can get done. Right. And right. it may not be the way I want it done, but it doesn't mean it's not going to get done well. It might not, it might even mean it'll get done better because you think of things differently. Yeah. So anyway, that that's on a different tangent, but regardless, <laughs> we could talk about that all day. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, I get that internship. I'm there for the 2004 NFL season. I work with the salary cap for all 32 teams in February after the Super Bowl. They're like, great. Your internship's done. See you later. <laughs> I'm like, perfect. <laughs> so I, at that point, like I really, it was inflection point in my life. And I was like, okay, I just graduated from law school. I've got $130,000 in debt. Like I don't have a job. I was like, I can go get a law firm job right now. Cause I really didn't apply to law firms in, in school. Like I didn't do it because, you know, taking you back to your first year in law school, one L year, there are a bunch of people that, Oh, I want to work in sports. And then by your three L year, the, the 60 people that started there are down to about 10 people. And then of those 10 people, it's two people that actually get it. Wow. Right. And actually for my class, which was fortunate, there were two of us. Who, um, the general counsel for the Philadelphia Eagles actually was my classmate, Aileen Daly. Uh, okay. She went, she went the law school route. She went to Proskauer. I mean, and she went and worked law firm route. Um, and then she jumped over. But for me, it was, I always wanted to work in the actual sport. I wanted to work, you know, in a front office, things of that nature. Right. And so, you know, I get that. And I'm like, I'm thinking, I was like, what do I do to it? If I go to a law firm, I'm probably never getting back to sports because frankly, like I wasn't going to Proskauer. I was going to some whatever law firm that wasn't really well known in the sports industry or didn't have sports practice at all. Mm-hmm. So I started bartending and, you know, I, I mean, I you have a law phone. degree by now. Oh, yeah. You did your internship and then you go bartending, bartending, baby. <laughs> Let's go. So I, I'm at an Irish bar bartending. And I get some calls and, and I get a call from um, a guy named Jimmy Sexton and then another guy. And they didn't work at, um, together at the time, Tom Condon. And now they're both with CAA, but at the time they were not. And I interviewed with both of them and I was like, you know what? Let, I'm going to go work with Jimmy. And I moved to Memphis. And so I lived in Memphis for almost a year. And that's interesting. I've lived all over the world, like the country, like I, I have family in Israel, like I've been everywhere, but like Memphis is different, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, but it was, it was a great experience and, and I learned a lot. And that was really my first job per se in sports and working with a sports agency, doing some contract research, doing some recruiting, doing whatever I had to. I mean, I learned how to build the website because they didn't really have someone on staff to, you know, help make changes to the website after they paid to get it up and running. Um, I stocked the fridge. Like I didn't care. And, and that's one of the things, you know, when you look at internships and talking about interns for a minute, I I see so many interns because I've heard so many interns between the jets and where I worked after, um, 
you know, and you can really tell the ones that truly care and are passionate about something and the ones that are either are checking a box or, you know, think that, well, I'm too good for this. And I'm here to tell people you're not too good for anything. <laughs> like, <laughs> go go pick up the dry cleaning, go get the Diet Cokes, go go get Starbucks runs, like do all of it because you know what? You're doing all of that for the 30 seconds at 8:30 at night when you're they're just sitting around and they actually talk to you. And and that's really what you're doing it for. Like, does that help you on your career path? No, like getting Starbucks won't, but like making inroads because this goes back to what I was saying before. It's all about relationships and it's all about building relationships and people don't think people are watching. They are. And, and the things that you think, Oh, whatever that really matter more than you think. Yeah. And so like it, it frustrates me when I see that, because I, I see so many people, because again, I came from nothing. Like I, my father was a locksmith. I worked, my mother worked in travel. Like I had no inroads and I see these people that, that, are already at third base because you know their dad knew x y and z person they're there and they just don't care because mm -hmm. it's like and that always frustrated me but anyway that, that's another tangent that we <laughs> um, i love that though no that's a great point ari yeah, yeah i mean listen i i learned something i'm not sure what i learned but i learned something <laughs> well and whether it's that we talk to interns or college students that want internships and a lot of them ask is it is it paid or is it unpaid? And some of them don't want to take it if it's unpaid. But for me, I try to tell them it's all about the learning experience. It's all about those relationships that you make. It's not about, you know, exactly what you just said. You know, you can be running Starbucks or taking out the trash, whatever it may be. But the point is you're making those relationships and you're you're there and you're getting experience. No, it's, it's true. And I mean, listen, I struggle with that one because I understand that some people don't have the luxury of taking unpaid internships. Mm -hmm. I, I get that. And, and I respect that, you know, and I can't belittle that because that is a real thing. Right. But at the same time, that's where a lot of times it's, you know, and this is where life, life isn't fair. Right. I mean, life's just not fair in general, but it's like, what's reality and what's passion. And if they merge great, you know, but like sometimes you got to do reality and if there are obligations and like, I'm not belittling that at all. Mm -hmm. um, but, but if you truly have a passion and you have the way to do it, you know, do it. I mean, cause like, again, like I, I don't bring this stuff up, but like when I was an intern at the NFL, I lived at my mother's, you know, mm -hmm. like I, I was 27 at the time and I was out of law school. I passed the bar. I'm living at my mom's. I'm making 500 bucks a week. You know, I mean, that's my first real time job. I had like law school loans. I actually still had to pay back at that point. Right. So, I mean, they're all sacrifices that people have to make and they're all different. And I'm not going to say one's more important than the other. And, and sometimes like, listen, like there are things you can't do. Like you have kids, like you got to solve feeding your kids, you know, and that takes priority. And I, I respect that. Um, But you, you just you have to look at all these things. And so, I mean, it's, I, I agree with you, you know, I, I completely agree. It's not about the money. Like too many people get caught up on um, the first jobs and the money and it's not about the money, but you know, I, I do respect at the same time that sometimes it has to be a little bit about the money. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I agree. 
I, you know, one of the questions I was going to ask you, Ari, was, you know, which company has been the most interesting to you? But it it almost seems like because we kind of got stuck on that internship, it feels like almost your internships were maybe the most interesting. I felt like you learned so much from them that just like built the rest of your journey. Um, you know, I don't, that's a good question, actually. I don't know. I think they've all been integral in, in different ways because, you know, I, I, I mentioned like, I really love to read and like, I, I like to read a bunch of different books. And actually one of the books I have. Oh is, yeah. Tell yeah. me the book. Yes. Cause I no, forgot there, to there are a couple, one. but one of them is the ideal team player. And it's like about business and, you know, building an ideal team. Right. And, right. you know, it, it's a leadership um, book. And I think I've been places where I thought the leadership was really good. I've been places where I thought the leadership was abysmal. Um, I think you can learn from both those places. I think you can learn from everywhere. It's just, what are you learning? Are you learning what to do or are you learning what not to do? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I really do think like you build on each one of your experiences, you know, because where are we now? I, I was in Memphis and yeah, that, that's when I got the uh, job at the Jets. And I mean, one of the things with the, the time in Memphis, which I really loved, was on my way in, you know, Jimmy Sexton and I had a really honest conversation at that time. And I was just like, I want to work for an NFL team. You know, like, it's not that I don't want to do this, but if I have the opportunity to work for an NFL team, and this was back in 2005 and six, and, you know, life changes and you go different ways. I want to do that. And to Jimmy's credit, he was like, listen, come work here. And if you get that opportunity, I'm going to help you. And he did. I mean, that, that opportunity came when Mike um, became the GM and, you know, I got called in February and I had been in, you know, Memphis for about 10 months. And listen, like, I got to give Jimmy credit. Like he, he didn't have any issues with it. And he really helped me along the way to, to get there. And cause he knew it was a passion and that I wanted to, you know, be there. And so uh, you know, I got the job in the football administration department doing the sour cap with the Jets. And I was there from 2006 through 13. And I mean, that's a different, you know, journey. And you, you guys are well versed in that, you know, and you're really tied to the Bucks. and congratulations on this year. But I mean, you're in a zero sum game in football. Right. And, and I mean, there, there are 32 teams and only one team wins. And, you know, that, that means there are 31 losers every year. And it's just different levels of losing. And, <laughs> I mean, that's the truth. And yeah. so like, you know, it, it's, it's great, but it's its own little world. And, and frankly, one of the things I realized working for a team, and there are a lot of great things working for a team, and I'm not going to say there aren't, but it's almost like you're not in reality and you're spending time there that frankly doesn't need to be there and, and for no reason. And so, you know, I always used to say, it's like, listen, we're not curing cancer here. It's like, you have to realize what you're doing. And I've always felt like I've been pretty good at centering myself in like whatever it is and like realizing like, I'm not a doctor. I'm not, I'm not doing something that's going to change, like really change the world here. You know, I'm hoping to bring value and add value and have some fun. But like at the end of the day, like there, there are a lot of people doing a lot more important stuff. What made you realize that? Was it having your daughter? 
Uh, no, I actually realized that beforehand. It was more, I was, I think the time, the hours, um, just the investment in time for no reason. And, and, you know, how serious people would take things that just at the end of the day, you can't control. Right. Um, you, you can control it to a certain degree, but at the end of the day, there's so many other factors. And so, you know, at those end results, and this goes for, you know, Jason, the GM of the Buccaneers or Mike uh, Greenberg, you know, when they're at the Super Bowl, I just like I was or anyone that's with a team when they're at the Super Bowl, they're basically a glorified fan at that point, you know, because their, their work's done. Like they can't, no matter what they do at that moment is not going to change the outcome. Maybe. Now, six months before that, sure. But like, <laughs> it's not going to, at that moment, it's not going to do it. So there, there's so many pieces of, of, you know, so many cogs in the wheel and so many pieces, but you just have to realize like, and you got to take a step back and just be like, listen, like, this is great, but like we understand and, and center yourself. And so, I mean, like that just came over time, um, you know, working for a team and, you know, realizing that. And then, you know, in 2013, I leave there. I taught at NYU for a little bit. Um, and that's, that's different. Teaching is interesting. Um, it can be really rewarding and it's just, you know, I, God bless people that do it. It's really, I mean, I'll do it here and there. It's really not for me. Um, but you know, I really, I enjoyed teaching grad students, right? Undergrads, not so much, (laughs) but, uh, you know, and, and then I went and became an agent. And so I've been an agent for the last, you know, six plus years. Did you get into being an agent because of your previous experience? Is that how you got into that? Yeah. Um, I I think just because, you know, I've got a unique skill set and working for a team, working with the salary cap, doing those things. I mean, contract negotiations and I'm pretty versed in NFL contracts. And so that's pretty cool because you can you can now work for ultimately many different teams, right? Because it depends on your, the, the football players that you're representing. Well, now I'm working with, with teams, not for right. them because right. I'm really, I'm really pitted against them. I'm working for the players yeah, and representing their interests and helping them and making sure that, you know, whether the contract's right or the medical, I mean, making sure that things aren't being put under the table and I mean, just different things. So you're making sure that things go smoothly, but really the most rewarding part of being an agent is really helping these young men. I mean, because again, like we're we're talking about young men. I mean, they're 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 twenties, early twenties. They they they're put in a situation where they're making a lot more money than most people are ever going to see, mm-hmm. and they're doing it at a very early age. Right. So helping them realize, you know, um, we can do. You, you really can do a lot of things with this, but at the same time, like you really don't have to do very much for your family to be really good for a long time. And it's not about, you know, it's about learning and really educating yourself into what you want to get into and, and not just jumping into everything or saying, Oh, I'm going to buy a plane or I'm going to be a billionaire. Like, okay, let's, let's take these steps and let's educate and learn and make sure that your family and your kids, when you have kids are really in going to be in a great space because what you don't want to see and what frustrates it is when you know, people do go broke and there are so many people trying to, to reach and grab for, for them and say, oh, well, you know, I got this idea and everyone's got a great idea. It's like, all right, great. 
why, why don't we actually like vet it, have people that are in industry leaders in that area look at it and give us advice like, okay, is this a good idea? Um, and, and just that's my, my thing is about education. Like I'm really like, I always look at it as being an agent. Like I believe like you're, you're kind of like the elderly man with the cane and you're like, let's go this way. Let's, let, let's look at this. And like, you just kind of like point and like try and give tips, but not really be like, Oh, you got to do this or do that because ultimately people are people and they want to make their own decisions, but it's about learning and educating. Right. Arming them with some tools yeah. to help them and, on their way. Yeah. You know, being being there to be a resource and, and someone to, to bounce ideas off of. So. so would you consider this your dream job? Oh God. <laughs> um, yes and no. You know, I, I think working in sports is an amazing journey and I think it's really fun. Um, and there, there are so many great things that I've gotten from it, but I, I mean, dreams change over time. Right. And they, they, they progress. And so it's interesting and I love it, but at the same time, like, is it the only thing I have an interest in in my life to do? No, like I've gotten to the point in my life where I like looking at different things. And because what you realize is, you know, when you're younger, it's really, it's like, Oh, wow, that's cool. And I want to be in that, in the limelight and this and that. And over time, it's like, okay, you're in the limelight. Like, it's great. Like, but it is what it is. It's fake. And like, what's real? And what what's really going to, you know, help you sustain something you enjoy and doing? And so, I mean, everyone's different. And so, like, you, you morph over time. So, like, it, it's a loaded question. I, I think that if you love what you do, you're never going to work a day in your life. And so I, I do believe that. And so I've been very fortunate to really enjoy what I've done, but I, I think, I don't know if it's the only dream, if that, if that may, if that answers the question, because like, as, as you age, like there are different things that take one importance and there are different things that like, you're like, all right, let's see, like, how, how can we progress to that next level? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so. a great perspective. I like that. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like you knew the secret to success, like early on being an intern, right. And like working just all kinds of hours and just knowing to show your passion. But do do you feel like there's maybe, maybe another secret to success, or maybe, maybe I should really ask like the mistakes that you maybe made and what did you learn from it? Maybe that's a better, better perspective. Oh, I mean, listen, like mistakes are mistakes are life's great teachers, right? I mean, everyone makes mistakes. And if you don't think you made mistakes, then I don't know what to tell you, but you're fucking wrong. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> um, I, I've made mistakes. Like I, I've learned from them there. There, I don't know if there's one like great mistake. It's just like, I think listening more, talking less, it is something that really, um, especially younger people and myself at when I was younger, it is something that you really have to work on. And I mean, I think you continually have to work on it. Um, I mean, I, I do even now. And I mean, I've, I've taught negotiations and I still, you know, because you, you get sometimes you get so excited to like, be like give your opinion or something like you, you just got to listen because it's not so much. They, they just might, people may have a different perspective or may want it a different way. 
Right. One thing that I do think is interesting and the difference between school and the real world is nobody in, in the real world wants a dissertation. Like if you can't figure it out on one page, like what are you doing? Right. Like, I, I don't need 10 pages. I don't need five pages. And I, I and like I actually I'll ask you this question because you guys are probably more specialists on it than I am, but you know, I, I do hire people and I'll tell you right now, my resume is still on one page. Yeah. And that's one of my biggest pet peeves. And, you know, and then I read stuff and they're like, oh, it's okay for, you know, resumes to be on two page. And like, I think back about when I was in college or law school, you know, and I was having trouble putting a resume on one page and in perspective of 20 years later, I'm telling you the stuff you think is important. It's not that important. You really haven't done very much. And you want little tidbits. So like, I'm still an advocate of putting on a one page, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, the, all it is, is talking points. You, you want, you want talking points so that you can like, that's a jumping off point mm-hmm. so that then you can flourish on who you are as a person when you get the opportunity. Yeah. I always say like, Hey, forget about the cover letter. They're not going to read it. Forget about your like summary objective at the top. Like I want to know what you did. Tell me exactly. Give me the numbers. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, listen, I I think I view it a little bit differently. I do think a cover letter has benefits, but to me, it's the cover email at this point. Right. So you you put it in the body of an email and that doesn't, it shouldn't be a book, like a couple paragraphs at most and call it a day. Right. And, And I always say like, and I mentioned this before, like, especially if you want to work in sports, please don't tell me. I, I love if you're working in applying for a job at the Knicks. Don't tell me I, I've been a lifelong Knicks fan and I want to work for you in any capacity. Like that, that's not solving the problem for you. Like, you know, give, give me reasons why you over the 10,000 other people right. that are literally applying for the same job. Right. Exactly. And, They're and, all sense. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, so, I mean. I, I think, I mean, I don't know. It's good. Like mistakes are just always try to learn, like continually learn. That's why I love to read. Like, I mean, I, again, like I've got books here, like I read a bunch of stuff, like just because like you can always take perspective from, you know, other people and, and try and get to the why, you know, it, it, there's, there's, I, I find it interesting in life, especially in negotiations. So many people think negotiations have to be win lose. And it's not true. Like most really good negotiations are win-win, you know, and it's very rare that you can't find a, a, a solution. You know, it's very rare that you can't find something, some common ground. You know, I, I've been in win-lose negotiations and I'm just like, all right, whatever. Like people have to realize like the other side needs to get something too. You know, and so like those are the best deals is where everyone seems happy about something. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I was going to ask you um, for your best piece of advice to give to aspiring um, leaders or entrepreneurs. I felt like you give a lot. You gave a lot of advice, though. There's not just one piece. There's a lot of a lot of different things. Is there any one thing that you think is more important than the other? Or if you had to say one thing, what would you say? Networking, networking, networking and building your relationships is the most important thing. That's life. I love that. Um, it doesn't matter. I always said, like, I don't want the smartest person in the room. 
you know, there needs to be a level of confidence. But after that, like your interpersonal skills are far more important most of the time. You know, I mean, unless I'm literally putting you in a back closet where you're going to be with a computer and never see the light of day, which just isn't reality. Right. Like you need to know how to interact. And listen, I still work on that to my, to this day. Like I'm not great at it at times. Like, you know, cause honestly I struggle with the fact that like, if I, I just like, I'm like, I, if I've already understood it, I'm like, look, just cut to the chase. I don't need the 15 minutes precursor, but a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that's, you know, th- those are things you have to realize, like one of the best things I was told, and it was actually on a recruiting visit and I was talking to a dad and he was a fireman and, you know, he said it to me and I was like, you know, this resonates and it's actually, it's true to every business, but he's like, you know, when we go to a fire, you know, we have to realize sometimes like this may be our 550th fire, but it's their first. And so they're scared. And, you know, we have to take the same time to, to work through everything with them and help them feel comfortable, even though we're doing a job that, you know, that is life and death. Like what we're doing isn't. And I thought about that and I thought that was really reflective and I thought that was really interesting. And I was like, you, you got to take that into everything you do, because I mean, that's the truth. Like, you know, when I go into a recruiting meeting, it's it's their first time and it's their family and it's their most prized possession. Because What's your most prized possession in life? When you have kids, it's your kids. And so, like, you really have to take a step back and realize that. Mm-hmm. And, and that, I think, is probably the most useful piece of advice I've gotten. Um, you know, I, I just thought that was really like interesting and like you take a step back. It's like, well, yeah, it yeah. puts it all into perspective for yeah. sure. Thank, Thank you, you so much, so Ari. Much. No, it's been my pleasure. Thank you guys. Until next time, babes, live bold and boss up. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. <laughs>